I will never experience what black mothers tell me, that they fear for their children's lives when their kids jog in their neighborhood or play in the park, but I believe them. I will never experience what black fathers tell me, that they are cautious and wary every time they're challenged by a white woman because they know who the authorities will believe if there is a confrontation, but I believe them. I will never experience what black young men tell me, that they were taught by their parents to roll down the window, to put their hands on the steering wheel, and to avoid any movement when stopped by the police, but I believe them. I will never experience what black children tell me, that their abilities and gifts are often overlooked or diminished at school, but I believe them. I will never ex experience what black colleagues tell me, that they are followed by campus security when they come on campus and in stores when they shop, but I believe them. I will never experience what black women tell me, that they will never know if they were turned down for a job, a mortgage, or a, or a lease for legitimate reasons, or because of race, but I believe them. I will never experience what black friends tell me, that their bodies are breaking under the weight of experienced racism, the chronic disinvestment in their communities, and the systemic looting of their communities, but I believe them. These are words that my friend Greg Howe, a campus minister, um, a Chinese-American, wrote on Facebook um, just a few days ago. And it's not lost on me that on this day that we celebrate Pentecost and this image of the fire of the Holy Spirit coming and resting upon the believers in the early church, that at this very same time that there are fires that are burning across our country, literal fires, emotional fires, social and political fires. And I'm always struck um, at how um, you know, we live in this church calendar um, all year round as Episcopalians, and I'm always struck at how the church calendar intersects with what's happening in our very real lives, in our very real world. What fire does is fire illuminates. It shines light in the darkness and exposes what's there. You know, fire purifies and it removes the dross. You know, it removes all that is impure. And fire consumes. The holy fire of God consumes everything that is not of God. You know, the evils, the wickedness, the injustice, the impression, the oppression. You know, that's what the fire of God's holy love does. You know, and while as Christians, you know, we do not believe that violence is the answer to the ills and the evils of our world, that we do well to pay attention to what's happening in our world today and listen to the pain and the grief of our black brothers and sisters across this country. And as we celebrate Pentecost today, um, we're culminating these 10 days of prayer. I mean, what a 10 days these past 10 days have been of um, thy kingdom come and come Holy Spirit, these two great prayers of the church. 
And on the Feast of the Ascension 10 days ago, um, I was sharing about how these two great prayers of the church express a longing. It's a cry. It's this ache from our hearts because we see the reality and the brokenness of our world. And yet there's also something in us that knows that this is not the way it's supposed to be. This is not God's plan and intention for our world, that there's actually something more beautiful, more whole, more free, more equitable, more loving than what we see right now. And so Pentecost comes at a very timely moment um, in our world today. Um, I want to just touch on three quick things about um, Pentecost that are in my heart and mind. And that is um, that Pentecost, um, which kicks off, kicks off the whole season of Pentecost, it leads us all the way up to Advent again in December, is about three things ultimately. It's about a person, it's about a people, and it's about a project. And so first of all, Pentecost um, is about a person. It's about Jesus Christ. So in the church calendar, there's a story. And what the church calendar does is it, whatever ha is happening in our world, you know, as big and as hard, as challenging, as painful as it is, whether it's personal, whether it's social, what the church calendar does is it orients us to the story of God. And it says that in the midst of all these stories in our world, that there's this greater story that is playing out. And that's the that's God's story, the purposes of God and the plan of God as revealed in Jesus Christ. And so in the death of Jesus Christ that we celebrated on, um, or that we remembered on Good Friday, we remember that God himself came to our world, came right into the midst of the muck and the mire and the darkness and the sin and the brokenness of our world. And he came and he sacrificed himself. And in so doing, he took on all the sins of the world, truly the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And as um, C.S. Lewis says in that, his beautiful um, series, uh, The Chronicles of Narnia, Narnia, it says that death is present, but it started to work backwards as Jesus triumphed over the powers of evil and death on the cross on Good Friday. And then on Easter Sunday, we celebrate that he rose again from the dead. You know, and that was the triumph of God in defeating death finally and decisively and giving us new life, that resurrection comes out of death. And that we have that hope of the new resurrection, not just that one day we're going to go to heaven, but rather that heaven has come to earth. You know, that God is creating a new heavens and a new earth, and that's happening. So that's Easter Sunday. And then Ascension, 10 days ago that Jesus not only rose from the dead, but that he ascended into the heavens, seated at the right hand of the Father, far above all rule, power, authority, and dominion, that he truly is the king of the universe, the Lord of the world, and that by his spirit, as we celebrate today in Pentecost, he pours out his spirit on his church, on his people. John Stott um, talks about how Pentecost is the final act of the saving ministry of Jesus, that he was born into the world as one of us, died for us, rose again, ascended into heaven, and then he sent his spirit to his people to work out in them what he had won for them on the cross. And so sometimes the book of Acts is talked about as the Acts of the Apostles. 
Um, but I heard a better description of why we call it the call it acts. And um, this person said that acts is called acts because it's the continuing acts of Jesus Christ through his disciples by the Holy Spirit. So we continue the work and the ministry that Jesus began when he, when he opened up the scroll of Isaiah and he said that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to bring release from darkness for the prisoners, sight for the blind, to give a crown of beauty instead of ashes, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, that that's the ministry of Jesus that he's entrusted to us today. So Pentecost is about the person of Jesus Christ. Um, the second thing is that Pentecost is about a people. So we are not lone rangers as Christians. We are the people of God. We're a community. We're the family of God. And, you know, as I said earlier, that a lot of times people think that the gospel is just about going to heaven after you die. Somebody says, less rights over you, and then you're, you're good to go, you know, after death. But really, the primary fruit of the gospel is that Jesus created this miraculous new family through his death and his resurrection. And as Paul said in Ephesians 3, that he has... He has destroyed the dividing walls of hostility between us, that Jesus himself is our peace. You know, we think about the evil of racism. You know, Jim Wallace said that slavery is America's original sin. And I think that is so true. And we still are, we see the effects of that today in our world. You know, I think of, um, you know, in my own life, um, Koreans, um, can be incredibly racist, you know, which is so striking because Koreans were oppressed by the Japanese you know, for decades. They experienced oppression, and yet you would think that if you've been oppressed that you wouldn't oppress others. And yes, human nature, you know, turn around. And Koreans can be so racist against the black community and the Latino community. You know, we see those historic tensions and the way that they erupted back in 1991 in the LA riots. You know, there's so much of this division and hostility. I myself as a Korean have also been the, the object of racism too in, in my life. And that growing up, I remember growing up being afraid of black people, feeling inferior to, the, to white people who had bullied me as a child and formed this um, inferiority that I had. At one point, I wasn't even able to talk to white people you know, because I felt so intimidated by them. You know, and yet what the gospel does is it breaks down these dividing walls of hostility. You know, it enables us to be not just Christians who worship side by side, but brothers and sisters, this new family that is together because of Jesus. And when one part of the body hurts, all of us hurt. You know, the eye cannot say to the hand that I don't need you. We need each other. And as the Apostle Paul wrote in our Corinthians reading for today, it says that all of us have been given the spirit for the common good. And it's saying that every single one of us, you know, and it doesn't matter whether it's your gender, whether it's your race, whether it's your age, that every single one of us has been given the spirit to, in order to manifest the ministry of Jesus in our world. That means every single human being has value in the eyes of God. Every single human being has that capacity to be able to help continue that ministry that Jesus started when he was here on earth. 
So we're not alone in this. You know, we are a people and we're in this together. And just the final thing that I will say about Pentecost is that there's a project that's involved and that project is the kingdom of God. And so we've been praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's, you know, Jesus had to tell stories in order to describe what the kingdom of God is about. Um, but one way that I like to think about the kingdom of God is that the kingdom of God is ultimately just God's dream for the world. It's God's dream for the world. It's God's shalom. We know the word shalom, it means peace. And peace, um, as many have, have said, is not the absence of conflict, it's the presence of peace. And that word shalom, like it, it encapsulates so much more than just that simple word peace. It's about wholeness. It's about flourishing. It's about reconciliation and restoration. It's about the well-being of humanity. It's about right relationships with each other, with God, with ourselves. And that dream of God reconciling and restoring all things in Christ, ultimately, it's not just this abstract dream out there. It is a very real and present reality that God is working out in our world through us, each and every one of us, you and me. And so in this project, it's saying that we cannot call ourselves Christians and both and not long for that kingdom, long for that dream, but then give our lives to that project of God's dream for the world. You know, in, in whatever ways, in whatever spheres that God has put us in, that that is what God has called us to. Um, the, the phrase that has been in my mind um, this past week, thinking about Pentecost, um, was um, a spirit-led adventure. Somehow that's just the phrase that's been in my mind, a spirit-led adventure. And just, I personally have been through in on a lot of adventures in my life. I've traveled the globe. I've been into the heart of North Korea, to Pyongyang. I have been in the red light districts in Bangkok. I've been to Ho Chi Minh City. I've been to many places and been on many adventures in my life. But the greatest adventure that I've been a part of have led me to the most important destination. And that's into the heart of God right into the heart of God. I have a friend, Jackie Philby, who's, she's now retired, and she was thinking about all the adventures she wanted to go to around the world. And she, I remember her sharing how one time she had this sense that God was saying, you know, Jackie, like, the adventure is not so much about traveling all over the globe, but it's about traveling the distance of my love. Traveling the distance of my love. And that love fills the heart of every person. And what that means is that adventure will take us into the hearts and into the lives, into the communities of the people that God loves. And you know, adventures are not all about just having lots of fun. Anybody who's actually been on an adventure or when you hear stories of great adventures, like Lord of the Rings, I know I talk about that way too much, but Lord of the Rings, there's suffering, there is sacrifice, there's often death. Um, there's growth, there's um, letting things go that, that aren't necessary. I mean, there's, there's a lot that goes into that. And that when we say yes to Jesus, and when we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us, what that ultimately means is that God is going to take us to places that we have never been before, to leave the safety and security 
of our homes, our lives, the things that we cling to in order to go to those deep places of our world in order to help fight for and bring the shalom and the peace of God to those places. Um, you know, I, I often feel um, in times like this often very helpless and not knowing what to do. Um, that's why we pray, come Holy Spirit, guide us, lead us, show us where we are to go. Um, take us on this journey with you, Jesus, in bringing your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And so I just want to pray for us right now. And um, I'm just going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to fill us, that we are, have already received the Holy Spirit in baptism. Um, but also, um, Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Continually pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you because we cannot do this work on our own. Uh, we grow tired. We grow hopeless. We grow helpless. Um, we need the, the love and the fire of God to fill us and enable us to respond to what's going on in this world that God loves so deeply with his love. And so would you join me now in just praying? And um, I invite you now that even wherever you're sitting, you can hold out your hands as a gesture of openness to the Spirit. And I'm just going to pray for us right now and ask God to come. So let's pray. Let's just take a moment and be mindful that the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, is with us. God, we come to you now, Lord. We feel our need for you, God, as we look upon our world, as we look upon the cities of the U.S., even today, God, of the brokenness and um, just the brokenness of our world. And we pray, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, and bring the fire of your love, O oh God, the fire, that consuming fire, which is your very presence. And it is that fire that illuminates and purifies and consumes all that is not of you. And God, we pray that prayer first and foremost, God, for ourselves. Lord, we need that fire of your spirit to fall on us. And so come Holy Spirit and fill our hearts, Lord, with that fire of your love and burn away all that is not of you. And we pray, God, come Holy Spirit upon our world. God, bring your kingdom, the dream of your world, God, the dream of your kingdom of justice and righteousness and peace and joy and hope and renewal by your spirit. And God, we say that we need you, Lord. And would you fill our hearts, God, with the love that compels us to courage and to hope and to resilience, to acts of love and justice and peace, God. Lord, give us the wisdom and discernment. Would you lead and guide us, God, that we might not just um, be hiding in our homes, Lord, silent and afraid, but that like your disciples, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, that they went out in the power of your love. And as your word says, that they turned the world upside down, 
And so God, we pray that, that you have called us to be the generation in this moment and in this time to be that sign of your love in our world, that we are the body of Christ. We are your hands and your feet and your voice and your ears and your eyes and your heart. And so come, Holy Spirit, fill us with all that you are. We pray these things, O God, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.